Hi, if I could take a moment of your time before we start. If you've enjoyed previous episodes or if you enjoy this episode, if you could subscribe on the platform that you listen to, that would be really helpful. It helps us get more guests and push the podcast forward. Thanks. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theatres, May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board certified physicians who can prescribe FDA approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Car Chat podcast. And with me today, again, for the second time, is Raziz Rahan. Hello. Hey, Sam. How are we doing? Not bad. Not bad. Now, if you guys, listeners, have not come across Raz, we did a podcast. I was looking it up. And... Um, Technically, the podcast went out at the beginning of February, but okay. I think we recorded it in sort of November, December time. That sounds about right, yeah. Um, it seems like yesterday, though, to be honest. I know. And I was looking back, and it's, I think that was, that's sort of, I've done like 40-something podcasts since then. Which no seems, way. Seems mad. Um, wow, okay. But yeah, so I sort of wanted to get you on again, because I know you've been up to some stuff, and see sort of what you've been up to in the interim and then discuss some news related items and whatever comes up along the way. So since November, December, yeah, yeah. <laughs> other than the period of not being allowed to do anything, although has that impacted yeah. you quite severely in your. Not, not quite as much. Like I mean, the good thing was, um, a, we had a lot of backlog at RBR to kind of crack on with in terms of editing because You've seen our videos. It's very editing heavy. Yeah. Uh, there's a lot of special effects. So if I film something, like at the moment we've got a backlog of like 13 videos. If I film something, it nice. takes time, a good week or so to kind of get it perfect and looking great. So at that time, I still had some backlog, nothing like I have today, but I had something. Yeah. The other benefit was because I can, I use my driveway out there as a canvas, I can kind of put any car there and just talk. Yeah. So... Uh, I was kind of taking advantage of that fact. Um, and I did a couple of videos that were just VFX based and no one even realized. So it didn't impact me as much, which was great. And then as soon as press departments could open again, it was like all, I mean, the busiest month we've ever had ever was in July. Yeah. I think I was filming almost every single day, which is weird for us because we don't. Yeah. But it's not, it's not like um, Shmi or Tim where we're, yeah, yeah. you know, a, a video a day type thing. It's normally a video a week for us. And we were like almost every day. So it's been full on. Um, it's not stopped till now. I think that that little gap of like a month and a half or two months of lockdown, 
uh, made the press departments just go a little bit crazy once <laughs> it opened up again. So there's so much that this that we're trying to catch up on, and it's been really good. I've really enjoyed it um, getting back into the flow of what doing being, lots and lots of car videos. Yeah, because I was having a look back through your YouTube videos, and yep. I was looking at them and I was going, "Hang on," just for, like looking at the thumbnails and what they are, and then thinking yeah. about how you did your videos. I was like, oh yeah, actually, I could totally see you being able to do quite a lot of videos without having the car there, yeah. but it looks like the car's there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I've gotten quite adept at that, and uh, sometimes I scare myself. Sometimes I can't remember whether I actually had the car there or not. Um, so, yeah, no, it's interesting. I think the last one I did like that was, um, in fact, you'll see one coming up, Audi RS4. Although I had the car here, the weather was terrible. So the way I get around it is I take my three-quarter shots and everything I need to take and then place the car there in front of something else. And you'll see yeah. that in the future at some point. But, yeah, yeah, it's very useful for me. I can get away with a lot doing that. Can you give us your thoughts on the RS4? Well, the RS4, is that's the – it's been – It's the facelift one. The facelift um, one, is that when – did, when did it get facelifted? Last year? Last year, yeah, yeah. Um, not too different to the previous car in terms of the preface, if not that that's a bad thing. The thing that Audi did with the RS4 is they were very much up to date with all the EU regs and the sound regulations mm. with the preface lift. So when it came out, everyone thought, oh, well, this is quite muted in sound and emotion, et cetera, et cetera. But even back then I mentioned that, look, they're quite on it with this. And you'll see in four years time that it's going to be a level playing field. And now it pretty much is like you drive a C63 or an M3 and they're all pretty muted. So Audi were on it from day one. Not that that's a great thing, because it would be nice to have a preface <laughs> if that sounded a bit louder, you know. But yeah. it, it's a great car still. It's a really good daily. I found myself, despite having other cars here, constantly picking up the keys for the RS4, potentially because the weather was bad as well. But that's part of the charm of that car. Yeah. Uh, it's such a good daily and so easy to just pick up and drive anyway. And it looks fantastic. With and the, so practical. Yeah, so, so practical. Massive boot, uh, good space inside. Infotainment system is really good. And it looks like the RS6 now, thanks to the update. Yeah. So, yeah, I RS- really enjoyed it. I didn't think I would, to be honest, but I did. You're, you're getting slowly dragged away from the Mercedes brand. Yes, very, very uh, uh, it's on purpose. I'm, I'm trying to, <laughs> you know what it's like, Sam, you have to build relationships with the manufacturers over time. The yeah. reason Mercedes was such a heavy focus is a... I've owned them and I do like them, of course, but I had good relations because of being a customer. So it just kind of naturally happens that way. The next easy one to get into was BMW because the story was, hey, I'm the other guy. Why don't you get me on board and I can be you know, very honest about your product. So that was easy. Uh, and since then, we've just grown and grown and grown. Um, I think probably one of our best relationships is with Porsche uh, now, which I really enjoy doing all the Porsche stuff. And uh, as you know, very recently got into a Turbo S as well, mm. new 992. So uh, that was mega, absolutely mega. And the reason that happened was reviewing the Cabriolet. So right. I, I tested so, out so the Raz press has car. bought a Turbo S. That's yeah, yeah. What's going on? Here. Yeah, you you were probably going to come onto that very shortly, but over there. Yeah, yeah. So you so up. you reviewed the Cabriolet. Yeah, and it, it just blew me away. Not that the previous Turbo wasn't brilliant already. It was a brilliant car. I don't agree with people who say oh it wasn't that good of a car and it was just a fast car no the 991.2 was a great car and it was really fast but the, just the general changes that they made in 992 translated so well into turbo and we all know that 
or if you don't know, Frank Stefan Wallace and his team have been that much more involved with getting the GT product side and the standard 911 side to work more in tune with each other. So when you drive them back to back, you really do feel that there's a bit more GT product now in turbo okay. in terms of the way it drives. So it was a nice, it was a pleasant surprise to see a slightly more raw feeling turbo, even though you haven't got like masses of sound, etc. So that car really blew me away and that was just a cabriolet. So I knew that the coupe had to be, you know, that much better as it always is. So an opportunity came up with a, like a canceled order at, at Porsche Mayfair. Actually came by a old TG, Tom. Oh, really? Exton. Yeah, yeah. Because he had just bought one and he kept bothering me on WhatsApp with pictures of his. I was like, look, Tom, just get lost, please. I don't need this right now. And then he messaged me and said, look, this one's come up at the dealer that I bought mine. So uh, I sat there for about half an hour and then I just went for it. I think I finished the deal in about 48 hours, which is record for me. I've never done it yeah. that fast. Picked up the car, had inspected it, of course, nothing to do with me, but it was perfect. And I really, really enjoyed it. It's not with me today because it's getting detailed and ceramics and all the rest of it. So it should look lovely, but it, it's been, uh, it's been a really, really exciting thing to come back to Porsche having owned a few many, many years ago. I mm. really enjoyed it. Have you driven the turbo yet? Have you, have no, you seen it, driven it? I haven't driven any 992 cars. and you, You're going to love I've, the 992. I've driven, yeah, so I've driven a 991 turbo. Yeah. Um, and obviously all the GT cars and GT3s and whatever. Yeah. Um, but it, I think like most people, and I, I still, whenever I look at the turbo, I look at it as more of like a really capable, really fast sort of daily-ish, but it never previously and having not driven the new one, it never gave me any of that like yeah. fizz, like that excitement yeah. at all. It was just, yes, it was what it was and it absolutely delivered what it needed to deliver yeah. crazy fast, but I never got out of it and thought like, I would rather have this over a naturally aspirated GT3 or something. Yeah, I think I think this one will, will help its case a little bit more. It's, it's certainly along the lines of being more raw, more exciting. I'd love to hear what you think. We have to... Mm. to catch up on that at some point maybe totally. you should come and drive mine or something i don't know that's, that's probably uh, the easiest way of doing it <laughs> probably the easiest way of doing it um but yeah i think you'll enjoy it i think 992 in general has been uh quite a uh quite a big upgrade over the old cars the only thing i don't like in that car is the weird gear stick have you seen it the little yeah the little tiny little thing yeah it's it's weird i've missed the old one where you can knock it back into manual mode yeah and then um, sort of yeah yeah, that was cool. But everything else about it, the little retro flourishes outside and inside, um, it reminds you of like 993 and 964 in, in a lot of ways, in the little yeah. details, uh, which is great. Like if you zoomed in to some parts of the car, you could you could be convinced that it was a 993 or a 964, which is cool. Um, and they're the only ones, I think, who can get away with that design-wise. So, yeah, I think uh, it was It was very, it's, it's a cool thing. And so you it, is, also... it is massively overpowered, though. I, I will say that. <laughs> uh, it, you don't need that kind. I don't think you need that kind of yeah. power on the road. The reason I, I would be very happy with a standard Carrera, but the reason I wouldn't buy one and I'd buy a turbo is my money is much safer in the Turbo S. It's now, really as simple as that. But is it? I think it historically is. that's not been the case. I, th- I think generally it has. Generally. So, I think if you if you look back, turbos have generally held better, and the, the amount of time I'll keep mine 
will probably be up until around about when, if if I can get a GT Black Series, it will be around then. I haven't got enough yeah. money to have both. I would love to, but it will be around about that time. So I think I'll do okay in that sense. Versus a normal Carrera, I might lose, I don't know, 20, 30K in the yeah. space of six months. And that's not going to happen at the moment with Turbo. So, yeah, I mean, I'd I be like happy it, with a yeah. Carrera S rear-wheel drive, but yeah, finances. So Yeah, fair <laughs> enough. No, so uh, you also at the moment have, do you still have a long-term loaner no it's recently gone back so that was the Carrera 4s that we had i really enjoyed that again I, i'd be more than happy just to have that or a i probably prefer the rear wheel drive one to be honest um, yeah the steering was a little bit better on that it feels less skittish but a bit lighter, yeah bubble. yeah well the, the the 4s was was really cool and we had a lovely spec which was silver with brown leather really classy looking again but yeah it was we took it just to see what it's like to live with 992 yeah, and uh, I think that was a lot of the reason that I uh, decided to go in for it as well. I've got two kids; one's a ten-year-old and one's one, yeah. and we were just experimenting, like traveling with the kids and how that works. And I found it to be really quite good, apart from mm. trying to get a pram in, which is not possible <laughs> yeah. at, all, at all. No, that is but actually else, yeah. a huge selling point of, let's say, a turbo or a GTS or something like that over a GT3. Oh, massive! Have back seats massively i, I think too few people give credit to 911 for that like i would never consider vantage amg gt ra any of these cars as a proper rival to 911 because they can't do the same things daily as that car can like i think mclaren made a massive mistake with their gt car uh, they were quite proud of the fact that it was two-seater i i think it's going to lose because of that in, in a lot of ways i think the yeah. two little rear seats really helped even Merck, uh, they're redoing the SL. I don't know if you know this. That's going to be my next uh, virtual effects video where yeah. I don't have the car. They're doing a whole new generation of SL that's being made by AMG rather than Mercedes. Yeah, I've heard like, about it. I yeah. saw some pictures about this. That's right. And uh, the, like the G-Wagon was this time made by AMG as opposed to Mercedes, mm. the SL is also now being made by AMG. Uh, allegedly, it's being based on the GT platform or the next GT platform. So it'll share platform with that car. And it's going to go back to two plus two seater like some of the older SLs in, in the middle of its lifespan, which yeah. I think makes sense given the fact that no one really wants an SL when a GT exists. And I've been harping yeah. on about that for years. So it will come back. It will be a soft top this time as opposed to a hard top. It will be two plus two seater with loads of different AMG engine variants. Uh, I think only AMG engines you're going to find in that car. Um, so it will finally exist in a in a niche that someone might actually consider buying it. Yeah, because I'm trying to think. One of my uncles used to have an SL back in the day, SL55 or something, and he lived in in Monaco, I think, at the time, and very much enjoyed driving around, plonking some people in the back seats. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, you have the roof down, and you know, headroom isn't an issue. You get access to the to the elements, the whole GT kind of vibe of of a nice. Grand Tour or something for a road trip, I think works really well for SL. Apparently, there's some styling cues coming in from 300 SL in there as well. Um, it should be really exciting. Plus, S Coupe won't come back in this generation. So recently, the S Class has been unveiled, as you've right. probably seen. There won't be any S Coupe or Cabriolet this time. Uh, I think that niche is going to be filled by the new SL. So, uh, yeah, it makes a lot more sense to have a car that actually has a different purpose compared to something like GT or S2K. Yeah. So I'm excited to see that. A cars that are very similar. Yeah. But as we said, that's why I give so much credit to 911 
in being very much a niche of its own, um, so much more capable than most of its rivals, yet that much more usable as well. So, yeah, I love what it. What do you think of – so I've got a couple of questions about 992. Yeah. Driven one, and I'm going to annoy someone until they give me a test drive of some dealership soon. Difference between 991 and 992, main main differences other than – In terms of driving? Or whatever. Yeah, and like experience. Uh, obviously, sound is a, is a big factor. 991.1 particularly sounded really, really brilliant. Uh, I had a Carrera S in that generation, um, and I still I can remember the sound. Um, it was it was such a lovely sound in that car. So that is one thing that you will miss in 992. You do hear other things, which is nice, like the electronic wastegate and other bits and pieces going on. It's not as um, dead as a lot of modern cars, like. I'd say it's twice as exciting as something like the RS4 I drove recently. Mm. And it still sounds very Porsche, but that is something that you'll definitely miss. Uh, stuff that's better is undoubtedly the handling is is just on another level now, specifically with regard to, I think, the electronic steering, which has got a lot more feedback versus uh, 991, particularly 991.1, which I had. Um, so they've worked. It's probably the best electronic rack that I've ever tried in a car. Mm. I mean, AMG do pretty good ones. The M ones don't have very good feel, but the Porsche ones are, I think, the best. Apart from that, it feels maniacally fast. Really, the Carrera rear-wheel drive, just the S, was so, so fast uh, for, for just having, what, 450 brake or whatever it yeah. has. It, it felt really, really quick. And that's versus, we always test them on the same roads that you've seen CarWow use, et cetera, yeah. which is that filming studio. So it's a it's a good measurement when you try one car versus the other, yeah. And that car felt really quick. So I, I don't think I I had the same experience in nine nine one point one or point two. I drove nine nine one. I've driven a few nine nine ones, but nine nine one dot two GTS. Yeah. Uh, two and four and cab, and let's say the cab, for example, it kind of felt slow. Yeah, like it felt lardy and slow, and then. 2S still felt felt sort of felt quick, yeah. But not, I still didn't get out of it and go like, yes, yeah, this yeah. Is amazing or anything. Absolutely. Whereas it sort of sounds like with 992 generation, I look at the numbers and everything, and I'm like, do you need more than a 2S? I mean, you never need more than a 2S, but I don't like, think you do. Like like I said earlier, I genuinely I'd be more than happy with a 2S. Uh, a, I love the styling of the non-sport pack version. I think it looks really cool, but just in terms of power, I don't know whether we discussed this in the last podcast. We may have, but uh, I think there is a sweet spot of power that is perfect for the road. And I mm. think 992 in Carrera S is that sweet spot. And cars like M3 RS4 are that sweet spot. They're probably a bit more, to be honest. Yeah. I mean, probably wouldn't use I've, that. I've heard that topic um, discussed by some people, and it's an interesting one of how you try and frame it. And I think a good one, a good way is brake horsepower per ton. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good point. Because, you know, if something gets heavier, like your, I don't know whether you've still got it, the AMG GT four door, for example. Very good example. Yeah. Quite really quite heavy car with lots of horsepower, but doesn't deliver that. You don't get the same feeling as having the same in a lighter car. Yeah, exactly. Like if you compared it to GT two RS, for example, it's not the same thing just because the numbers are similar. You need that extra horsepower because the car is so bloody heavy. So yeah, it's, it is horses for courses a little bit, but like the GT four door felt just too fast for the road. Yeah. But, but equally that's such a, 
it's got such a good breadth of ability and the gearbox is so clever that you could manage that easily and still enjoy yourself, which is nice. Mm. And there's enough gear changes in between. You're not hitting like uh, 80 miles an hour in second or something if you yeah. don't want to. You know? It's so annoying when that cars have that, um, like your yeah. Cayman or Boxer or something. Yeah, so in that sense, you're absolutely right. Uh, horsepower per ton is probably the way to look at it. But 992 Carrera S rear-wheel drive, I think that's sweet spot at the moment. New cars. Yeah, it's got the tech, got the stuff, looks cool, got a decent amount of power. If when your warranty runs out or you chose not to, you could take it to someone else and have, I don't know, 600 horsepower. Yeah, absolutely. And you could probably handle it, to be honest. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, it's interesting. And what would you say the biggest differences are between the 4S you've driven and turbo? There's there's a lot of difference. I didn't think there would be. I think power, you... The, the Turbo S is probably one of the quickest things ever. It really reminded me sometimes of uh, the 2RS. Uh, 2RS is a lot scarier, but this was scary as well. It still felt like it's, you know, has intentions to kill you, which is cool because <laughs> it's a good thing. You, yeah, you, you kind of want it in a car like that. And I think if it was neutered and it felt, how do I say this, a bit more Audi, a bit more safe, then yeah. you just wouldn't enjoy it as much. Whereas it doesn't feel like that. It feels like very angry and it is a lot faster than the 4s like noticeably yeah. they feel like two completely different cars and i think you do want that because it would be horrible to come out of 4s drive turbo and be like meh it's about the yeah. same you don't want it to be 10 um, percent more 20 percent no, more absolutely double not the price or whatever it is it's not quite that but though oddly i, I did feel if you look at rear wheel drive carrera s i felt on the limit with steering it was a bit better than turbo now, I don't know whether that's because of, you know, front drive shafts, et cetera, et cetera. Um, Probably just that, the balance and how yeah, it reacts and weight and stuff like that. I think so, the turn-in, et cetera. So I did prefer that kind of on the limit, but uh, undoubtedly, again, handling, I think, turbo is a little bit better than the 4S. But it, the real experience is, is the sound, the braking, you know, everything else that's going on. It does sound better. Definitely the exhaust is more exciting than the Turbo S. Again, yeah. I didn't think it would be. I think it would be very, very similar, but they've done a good job on that. You get some nice overruns, some pops and bangs, et cetera, in sport mode. So, yeah, it's uh, it's a definite two, three stages up. You're not going to come out of one yeah, and yeah. the other thinking, well, it's about the same. No, that's that's really cool. And it's, it's great that they've made that distinction. I remember when I was looking on a configurator at one point, um, I saw that you could have like lightweight stuff in it if you want. Like I think lightweight yes. glass yeah. and those sorts of things. And, and I really rated that as like for the people that want their turbo to be more hardcore, there are yeah. these options. Whereas well, most they have a new one, which is called the lightweight package. That's not on, mm-hmm. I don't think it's on the configurator yet, but that removes the rear seats and it gives you the GT car bucket seats inside and a few other changes. I think carbon roof and whatnot. I think it is it like plexi windows and stuff like that. Possibly. Possibly. There's a few things. They've been a little bit vague about it because I don't think they intended to announce it. And then Dr. Wallace got excited in an interview and mentioned it. And now <laughs> it's it's like a, a small paragraph somewhere in the press release and I couldn't get any more info on it. But yeah, that's coming, I think, uh, from production at the end of this year onwards. So like you say, if someone wants a more hardcore turbo, and I'm sure they'll offer that in GTS when it comes out, then you can have one with just two bucket seats and lightweight and less sound insulation and all that kind of stuff, which is cool. Yeah. No, that is cool. It's, it's, 
I mean, I love Porsches. I just I love Porsches. <laughs> oh, we know you love Porsches. <laughs> how's your how how how's your car? How are your cars? Oh, oh dear. Do you I, don't, I don't think I've talked about this in the podcast. I've I've still got everything, okay. all the same same stuff. But at home at the moment, I have the F forty. Yeah, because it normally lives in Oxfordshire area. Um, generally, go and drive it onto country roads and put it away, sort of thing. But both Porsches are having work done. Okay. Um, GT3 RS is having rear ceramics refurbed. Right. So it got around to renewing warranty time. Yeah. So I took it in to get them all the whatever needed doing and all that sort of stuff and ideally get the warranty renewed. And there was two little bolts missing from the rear. I don't know what it calls. Like on your disc, you then have like a sort of almost like a bell housing that goes on the disc. On the disc, ha- yeah. Yeah, which then has loads of little bolts that go through it with sort of like okay. spring clippy type things. Two, one of those on either side was missing. And they're like, yeah, uh, we can't get the part, so you need to replace the disc. Ouch. Um, mm, okay. Um, <laughs> how about you just get the part? Can we not just get the part? It's like a little bolt. Like, yeah. And the yeah. discs are on the way out, and they have been on their way out for a while. But... Logistically, it seems pretty much impossible to get hold of the parts. Even if you go to Brembo and say, I want this part number, fit it and then take it back to Porsche. Obviously, they want to fit it themselves. And, yeah, of course. But if they don't know it's been changed, no problem. Yeah. Um, you couldn't, I couldn't get hold of it. Found a company through JZM have been quite helpful with sorting this out. I didn't know, but you can have your ceramics refurbed. Right. And what they in the refurb, they don't just like skim them down like mm. normal steel discs or whatever. They get built back up again. Oh, right. And they get built back up to like OEM thickness. I've never heard of this before. Yeah. It's not a cheap process. It's like, well, £1,400 a disc, something like that. But that's but you not get, too bad considering. I mean, yeah. the cost of new discs is like astronomical, isn't it? Yes. Yeah, a set of the OEM for my car discs is £5,000 a corner. Ouch. And, <laughs> which is just, I was like, when they're like, we're missing two bolts, so it's £10,000. And I know that the fronts are going to need to be done at some point in time. Yeah. They're, I don't know, yeah. half worn, two thirds or something. Yeah. It's just like, no, I'm not, I'm not paying that much money. I would like to have ceramic discs. And if I'm going to keep the car for another 60,000 miles or 40,000 miles or whatever, fine. But I had a look out there and you can get this company called Surface Transforms mm. who make discs for Koenigsegg and people like that. And you can get a like-for-like disc, except it's 2020 tech. Yeah. And it lasts like five times as long. You can refurb it six times. And that is £10,000 for a set. For a whole set. Yep. Yeah, for a whole set. So I was like, well, if I'm going to have to do the whole set, that's the option I'm going to do. But if I do that, I lose the warranty because of it's so difficult know. to weigh up isn't it as an owner it is particularly when you want to keep a car longer term i found you, you find yourself making different decisions and thinking in a completely different way versus yeah. something that you're keeping two or three years and and you just don't like at this point in time i don't know whether i'm going to keep that car for six months or 60 years i just yeah. don't know yeah. um so what we've done in the end is we've done the refurb option because it's it's not cheap but it's not the full shebang and we can do the warranty. And if, if in five years time, the fronts go, then maybe I'll do the full or just refurb them again. No, that's smart. I didn't even know that existed. 
So yeah, so if you're out there listening. and you've got ceramics that are nearly done, you can get them refurbed. Pretty much, most ceramics can be refurbed. So that's that's they've been sent away to Germany, and they're come. They're going to, that's taking eight weeks. <laughs> hey, it's better than five grand a corner. Exactly, exactly. And it's, <laughs> it, if if it, it's sort of getting to the point now where I'd quite like to drive the car, but yeah. when it was like lockdown and stuff like that, it wasn't wasn't the end of the world. Yeah, um, yeah. And old, old nine eleven is having aircon installed, nice, which is is finished. And then I managed to dent the rear quarter. Oh. This was a freak accident. Um, How did it happen? Driving out of my garage. Oh, no. So what had happened, and the lesson I've sort of learnt on this one, is if there's a noise, the noise is a thing. <laughs> yeah. And what what yeah. happened? It sounds I, obvious, but it, it does. does. Happen. It's happened to me, so I, I'm not going to do But I don't yet. understand. Like, I heard a noise, and there's nothing that should, should be making a noise. So you're like, I don't know what that is. That's weird. Yeah. There shouldn't be anything. And then I keep moving the car. And what, what happened is I changed it over from winter tires back to summer tires. Right. I had two of the tires sort of left over. They weren't fully worn out or whatever. And in my garage, my old garage is quite narrow and I just slotted them down the side of the car mm. and it sort of broke my one rule, which is never ever block a car from driving out yes. because you yeah. forget. Yeah. And this is what happens. I forget. So these tires, or one of the two, got slowly, as the car reversed, got slowly dragged back. So it just starts like rolling back. With the car, yeah. Okay. With the car. And then where the the doors to the garage open, there's like a, I don't know, five centimetre wide bit of wood that the doors are mounted to that sticks out from the wall. So the tire's rolling back. It hits yeah. that corner, but because it's rubber, it keeps sort of gripping on the car. Yeah. And as the car keeps going back, it, it starts squashing this tyre and rotating it. Oh, my God. And it managed to... The first noise was just, I think, the tyre just, like, rolling around or something. Mm. The second noise was a slightly louder noise, was the tyre had turned 90 degrees and had been reduced to half its size. Oh God. So in terms of forces... No idea what amount of force that is. It must be like 100 kilos of pressure or something. Yeah, it's got to be significant, hasn't it? To try and squash a tyre to half Mm. its width like that... Not easy. (laughs) It's not easy. And it's squashed into the rear three-quarter, like, kidney area, just in front of the wheel. Yeah. And in 911s and in most cars, that is not somewhere that you want to damage. It's like a real pain in the arse, the whole back of the, the whole shell of the car has to come off. Jeez. Fix it. Anyway, it's nearly done. It'll be back. Oh, that's good. More pristine than it was before. Fix some rust and stuff at the same time. But Maybe we can all learn a lesson from that little story. <laughs> yeah, I hope so. If anyone else is thinking about that. <laughs> Obviously, if there's a noise, it's a thing. And yeah. don't block your car because you yeah, will I'll block your cars. That's right. So, But it does mean I've been driving the F40 a bit. And that's been pretty great. It's all right. There you go. Silver lining. Exactly, exactly. So, what? okay, we've had some news. Not like us have had some news. There has been some news. New mm. releases, quite a lot of Mercedes, very recently. New yeah, S-Class. Yeah, new S-Class just came out a couple of days ago. I, I um, think it looks quite, like, as just from what I've seen, it looks yeah, nice. What do, what, do you, what do you think of the outside first? I think the outside looks really nice. Yeah. I think it looks, it just looks really sleek. Hmm. That's so good, in my opinion. Without seeing it in the flesh, from the pictures, it looks... The old one looked good. 
you know, yeah. for sort of what it did. But this one seems to look a bit better. I don't, I don't, I can't place exactly what's what without putting them well, next to each other. I had a really good comment actually on, on a post that I did when it came out. So one of my followers will get a shout out now. Let's have a look. He said, I had a comparison between the old and the new, and it looks like a tailored suit versus the previous one that looks like a baggy 90 suit. Yeah. And I think any good facelift, I think that's a really good comparison. That's kind of what it looks like to me as well on the outside anyway. Yeah. Um, it's a lot sleeker. I think the bezels like around the grill are less because they didn't, they never needed to be that thick and there's less lines generally. Uh, I think if anything, it actually reminds me a little bit of, of how Porsche designed cars in that there's less there because it doesn't need to be there, yeah. which is nice to see. And I think this is one of the first generations that I found myself liking the standard car as much as the AMG line version. I think it was just designed really well. So I'm excited yeah. to see, like there's going to be my back version very soon on that as well, which will look great, I think, in this particular form. And S63 is going to look totally different to what we've seen in the past. It's going to have that typical AMG grill on the front from what I've seen this time. Okay. So uh, that'll be interesting to see what that looks like on an S class. We're not getting a coupe. No coupe. No coupe or cabriolet in this generation. Uh, just short wheelbase, long wheelbase, and probably Pullman at some point. My back. <laughs> I saw. Yeah. I saw one of those yesterday. Yeah, the big, aren't they? Yeah, we had like four seats in the back, sort of facing each other. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I don't know if a lot of people know this, and uh, I mean they don't uh, like advertise it, but Barabbas helped build the Pullmans. And when we went to the factory, you you see a lot of them around, but they're like, no, we can't talk about it. (laughs) Uh, But they're really skilled guys over there at Barabbas. But yeah, the Pullmans are something epic. What do you think of the inside of the new S Class? That's a different. I'm not sure. So I think it looks, in the back, looks nice. Whatever. Yeah. It's like a normal yeah, S yeah. class type thing. The front, I sort of, I kind of like what they've done in terms of making it sort of swooping away from you. And I think that will give quite a nice feeling of sort of space and nice materials. It does but do that. You, you see I, more of the world. And yeah. whereas the dashboard looks big, it's less intrusive to your eyes. So you yeah. see kind of a lot of the, the bonnet, et cetera, et cetera, which is nice. The display in the middle, I, I just don't know. Now, what did the previous S-Class, did that have the big screens that went all the way along? Uh, it did. Previous, previous S-Class suffered a little bit because they it never had the MBUX system that you right. find now in A-Class, GLE yeah. and all of that. So it was a very dated operating system. So in front of something like 7 Series, it was just really poor, particularly in its last few years. The screens were nice in terms of the way they were placed, but the thing I liked about previous S-Class versus this was you had a housing around the screens. Yeah. And I feel particularly the front driver zone still requires a housing of some sort. I I just don't think that the whole minimalistic... I I think they're kind of going the Apple route in the sense of trying to make... Tesla-y way. Yeah, I don't think Tesla is the right, because I think you'll see most cars in the future are going to have a big screen in the middle. I just think that's the way it's going to go. It's like when we first had the iPad screens at the top yeah. and everyone took the piss out of Merck and then, hey-ho, everyone's got it now. Yeah. I think the big screen in the center will be a feature, however you put it. I mean, a lot of cars have it now. You look at a lot of the Audis, like I had the RSQ8 here recently. Got yeah. two massive screens in the middle. It's just the format that you have them. I think the mistake that's been done here Firstly, driver zone needed to have some kind of 
encompassing area like you'd find in a eight series or a C63 or something like that. So something that covers it to make it look more like a traditional driver's zone. Secondly, I think the area around the big screen, it it, it seems that there's not enough going on. You've got a big trim piece behind it, which no doubt you'll have wood and other bits and pieces, but it just seems too minimalistic for S-Class. And I can imagine... Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. It's going into something like C-Class, the next one, which is going to have the center screen and the, the driver's zone, And it's going to look very, very similar, despite trim levels and everything. And I think that's a bit of a mistake. I think you, you, if you were going to have the big center screen, have it, but have something around it that differentiates S-Class to everything else. Yeah. I'd say similar about things like the steering wheel. Like, I think it's a cardinal sin that a lot of manufacturers make to have the same steering wheels in your top cars, be it your top sports car or your top luxury car, and share those with every single other car that you have. Like, you'll have a the facelift A class will have the exact same steering wheel as your top of the line S class. It's like, yeah. it blows my mind. Um, it can't cost that much to design something unique for your flagship. And I have yeah, that problem well, with every manufacturer, to be honest. I think they're a bit short-sighted in these things. Even a yeah, unique it, key for like your flagship. Why not? Yeah. Yeah. Something just a bit different to say, oh, I've spent the big bucks. Yeah. Like, and because previously the S-Class used to be, it would lead the way with the sort of design language and hmm. the tech and all of that stuff. And okay, we've seen a new interior design language. We also sort of had the bit before where almost like the A-Class felt like one of the newer cars with the new displays and everything. And then it sort of went up a bit. And now we've got this. Will the next, presumably that will then filter down and the next C-Class, A-Class will have this. Uh, I I think the best thing about the new S-Class in my experience of of what, when I sat in it is how great the technology is in terms of actually being driver focused. And I was trying to explain this last night in a post. And what I mean by that is in the early days of adding screens into cars, we had stupid things like browsers and apps that you never use and weather channels and other rubbish things like this that you would never ever use in the course of driving. Whereas you go into S class and the good thing is the screens fade into the background because they are there for a specific purpose. And you've got an absolutely huge head-up display unit, which is probably, it's a big hole behind the driver's zone, which is probably the size of my MacBook Mm. here. That gives you navigation, not just arrows, but kind of highlights the road in front of you. 
And it's the most bizarre experience ever because you've actually got proper augmented reality in front of you, not like on a separate screen somewhere. Yeah. And that is fantastic because it's, it's enhancing everything for the driver. It's not just AR for the sake of having AR on a separate screen somewhere else or night vision or some other nonsense. Yeah. It's actually really useful. Similarly, they've got fingerprint ID and voice ID in there. And you think, oh, you know, they're just copying phones and all the rest of it. But when you do your fingerprint, every single setting, and there's a hell of a lot of settings in the car, they personalize for you, the driver. So yeah. seating position, lighting, your drive modes, your home screen, etc. Everything goes to what you like it to be. Which again, it's a great use of that technology in terms of not just security and data, and because you can use it for purchases as well for new apps within okay. within your whole car. But it's also great in terms of actually just well, I'm driving my car, not my wife, and I want it to be my settings, and I want all the settings to be my settings, not just the seat. Yeah. So it's it, everything in that car comes from the basis of the user, as opposed to oh, let's add in tech because it's pop culture type thing. No, I think that's. That's pretty cool. Like the the fingerprint thing and the voice recognition or whatever. That's that's a really good way of because previously you'd you'd probably have you might have two keys and each key has different settings or something. That's right. Now yeah. I'm sure most people keys when you're at home go in a drawer or a bowl or whatever and you just pick up which okay, I always use the same key because I don't know. That's me. But yeah, you could just pick up either key. You don't go like, this is your key. This is my key. Yeah. I want all the settings on the key and that, yeah, I, I, I rate that. And then with your thing about the heads up display, I saw a little video of the nav working. Yeah. Where in the heads up display, there's like little arrows pointing right. on the actual exit that you need on the to take. Exit, yeah. Which so is, that was it's amazing. amazing. It's really, really great. And um, I, I've experienced it just in a little pod um, that was, uh, it was designed to show us what the UI of the car is like, mm. but it, it gave you a good example. The driver's soon, by the way, it's not that far away for S-Class, yeah. but it, just even in that pod without any road, just to see how big the actual arrows were was pretty impressive. Yeah. Uh, Cause it's not like the little <laughs> displays you have. And it also feels like it's a lot further back. So, you know, when you normally look at a heads-up display and it kind of looks like it's intruding a yeah. little bit, this actually sits further back. Okay. So it, it kind of stays there when you're looking ahead, if that makes sense, which was cool. The other great thing in that car, so I've given the driver's end some, some stick, but the one of the coolest things I've ever seen is it's actually a 3D driver's end. So do you remember the Nintendo 3DS? Yeah, I didn't have one, but I remember it. It had this so technology where it, it was kind of crude, but you could kind of see the screen was kind of 3D. Well, this takes it kind of to the next level. I think it's got six or eight cameras or something behind the screen, tracking your eyes. And as usual with Mercs, you've got loads of different designs from AMG style to exclusive S-Class style to whatever. And they all look, all the content looks 3D. And it's done in such a great way that it feels like you've got actual objects behind the screen. So the, the AMG one is this like, this, you've got a big central rev counter and it's like a tube and it looks like you've got a tube in front of you. <laughs> so when you're revving it, like you get this pulsation of red going through the tube and it's so bizarre, but it's so well done. And again, it comes from the idea of, it wasn't, oh, let's add 3D because, hey, we can say we've got 3D in our screens. Yeah. 
it was more you see the content that's on the screen a bit clearer. So you'll see the text a lot clearer, even though you've got textures behind yeah. you and backgrounds. You'll see the 3D buildings on your navigation if you're using the full screen navigation display a lot clearer. You'll see the road clearer. You'll see everything because it's layered. You see things the way that they want you to see them, which is in a clearer, safer way. So again, it it makes a lot of sense. That was really cool. And I'd love to see all of this, no doubt, trickle down into the other cars because it feels like it's 10 years ahead of what anyone else is thinking at the moment. Yeah. Oh, that's it. It seems pretty trick. I was saying driving through town yesterday and I keep, I constantly sort of revise my thoughts about, you know, like everyone, what I should be driving, what I want, mm. what I need, don't need out of a daily and blah, 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 blah. And I was like, it's just not me, but like, Oh, an S class would be pretty damn nice. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> I, I, I don't, um, I, I've never owned one, but I'm lucky that I, my dad lives with me and he's a S class fan. So if I need one, like I went to, um, Bournemouth Weymouth the other day and I took the S class and it was yeah. great that I just had use of it and, and it really is a different car to every other even the even the previous one now uh, in terms of just comfort and just chilling out and you know a great drive it is I mean even Chris Harris said the other day I was watching his stories he does these uh, little Q&A's sometimes and someone asked him what is like there's no dispute of what car is the best in its class can you name one and he was like it's always S class you know it's the best car in the world no other luxury car comes close to it and uh, i agree with them on that i think s class in terms of a proper luxury saloon i don't think you can match it yeah Not my only money. problem with the s class is it's a saloon yeah and i in terms of yes it has quite a pretty big boot but just that loading gap yeah. versus a, a hatchback style on your estate car or whatever just means putting stuff in it if you wanted to put lots of whatever is just tricky yeah that's true it is true so i want that yeah. level of comfort in an estate it'd be nice to have like a shooting brake. Mm. that would be quite cool it would match the design language as well because um, you used to get the what was it the cls yeah that's been discontinued now actually the shooting brake on that one um, um the only shooting that, that brake you so- can get is that now, sort of like an s class little bit yeah i mean in the previous trend certainly it was close enough but I, they're not going to make those anymore. Yeah, I think the only shooting brake you can get now is the CLA, which is obviously much smaller yeah. and not as luxurious. So yeah, okay. We've had another new car from Mercedes, yeah. the big dog, uh, the black GT. What is it? Was it GT Black Series? Is that what it's GT called? Black Series? Yeah, AMG GT Black Series. Yeah, it's a beast of a car, as you can imagine. When did I see it? Just before the launch, we filmed it. Um, yeah, it kind of took my breath away because it was it was it had a lot more carbon on it than I was expecting it to from the from like all the all the spy shots. I know a lot it's of people said it back. looks kind of mansory, which is an interesting comment. To me, it just looked like the GT3 racing car, really in in road going form. Very very impressive looking. The photos kind of make it look smaller than it is. Okay. Uh, so it's wider than the GTR. Obviously, the the wing is massive, which is very obvious. But I think the way it's designed makes it look a bit more compact. Maybe because the grill is so large, but it's an impressive thing just to stand in front of. It, it looks really impressive. Uh, interior is is very sparse. It's kind of you know very thin door cards and handles and, all, and uh, pulleys and all the rest of it. But yeah, from the outside, it, it looks great. What did you think of it when you saw it? Oh, I don't know. I was sort of I was like, hmm, interesting. 
<laughs> not sure. Because like you said, when you see these things in the flesh versus in a photo that's possibly yeah. distorted in some way, shape or form from how it's been taken. Um, actually, my first thought was, is that Tim in the video? <laughs> oh, dear. But no, I, I think I agree. I think there's too much. I think it'll look a lot better in body colour, more body colour stuff. I think a big mistake, and I'm going to have a rant about this soon. Uh, I've already had a rant with Tim about it, is how the launch was handled. I think it was versus how Epic, GTS and GTR were launched, particularly with Lewis Hamilton uh, on GTR, MB World, the whole Nürburgring video, etc. The right color, which was the, the green hell color. Green, yeah. This seemed like they were launching a standard GT or something. It was... It was really quite poor. I know they'll try and just blame Corona, but they've done a massive launch just now in S-Class using Lewis Hamilton as well. Yeah. So I, I don't buy any of it. I think I think really it comes from the top down at Daimler, but I think they're very much scared of making too much noise on uh, exciting sports cars because of all the pressure of the environmentalists, yeah. particularly in Germany. So they have this lovely launch color, which is um, magma beam uh, orange, which is a... a a fl- not a flat, but a glossy orange, non-metallic, gorgeous color. And that was due to be the car that they showed initially. Yeah. But, you know, fear of standing out too much, or whatever the case may be, they went with yeah. the silver, which is funny because you can't actually order that silver in that configuration. That silver is reserved yeah. for this Project One edition only, oh. uh, which I don't know if you've seen. It's like, it looks like an F1 car with the little stars on the back, and uh, it's for Project One owners only. Now, the, if you saw it in the orange it looks like a completely different car and it's kind of as it was meant to be. It's okay. kind of like if you saw a GTR in, initially in silver, you'd been like, mm, mm. okay, not that special, but you see the orange, it like, it blows you away. I don't know if you've seen a photo of the orange one. No, I haven't. Is, is um, there a configurator online now? Can you go and play? There it? is a configurator online. Um, and there are, the press cars have been built as well. Is my understanding. Um, I'm trying to stay away from them because if I can get one, I want my first experience to be in my own car and not in a press car. Um, So I might break my own, my own rules here. There are some pictures of it. I don't know if I can show you. Oh yeah. Yeah. That looks, yeah. It looks very, very different compared to, compared to what we've seen. And that, that was the launch color. That's the color they made for the car. That was the color that was designed for the black series because it's based on how the GT3 car looks. It looks better like that. And yeah, the GT3 car has been that colour quite a bit, hasn't it? Yeah, well, the new one they made in, in a metallic orange, so it's, it's obviously to link to that car. Um, so it all makes sense. But ah, there's, there's a lot of discussion. <laughs> we could talk for hours on how I think they're handling the whole environmentalist thing. So Yeah. Well, what do you think, just from the specs, it sounds, I got the impression from Tim that it was like, note, it's like a considerable amount more than a GTR Pro? It must be. It has to be. I mean... Like obviously, price. I, it, it, it's got to be the difference between a Porsche GT3 and a 2 RS. Yeah. It, it has to be. I don't think, like, people liken the GTR Pro to GT3 RS. I don't. I think the Pro is just a little bit better on track versus normal GTR. I would always, yeah. I would always go for normal GTR, personally, because you get that much more sound and excitement out of it. And 10 seconds on a track, no one really gives a... The shit, yeah. to be honest and you can pick one up for 100 grand which is a great bargain 
with with this, I think, and I think GT3 RS is just on another level. It's so close to 2 RS in its own experience. It's a, it's a fantastic car. Whereas I think the black is big enough jump, or it should be, it better be, for the price. I mean, it's 335K in the UK, which is Ooh. bonkers. I don't know how they're justifying that. Maybe it's trying to recoup some of the money they lost over the whole lockdown and Corona and all the rest of it. I don't know. I'm just speculating, but do you know many people that are ordering? Um, I know a lot of people who internationally, I know people who've got orders and allocations in the UK. Everyone's still waiting at the moment. So there's been no communication in that sense. Uh, I know they've got got hundreds of orders. Yeah. Hundreds. And there's going to be very few cars in the UK. Um, There's no limit to the cars in terms of production, but regionally for the UK, we do have a limit. Um, I don't, I'm not sure exactly what that is, but it's, it's low. It's probably like 20, 30 cars, something like that. Okay. It's not so long at all. No, it's not, it's not a lot, but yeah, there's, they've got hundreds of orders. So I hate to be the, I know the person who's deciding and I'd hate to be that person. (laughs) Um, yeah. Cause I was under the impression that they were just going to make as sort of as many as they could really, but I wasn't aware that there was a regional limit. I think it depends on the markets. Um, I think the UK didn't want that many because if it was unlimited, no one would buy it at that price. Yeah. I mean, I wouldn't. I wouldn't. I can barely barely afford it at the price it is now. Yeah. So I, I think if it was unlimited, I'd be like, now nah, just wait for ten speculators to put cars up and watch them drop slowly but surely, and then pick one up. But yeah, it's got a lot to prove as well. I mean, at that price, it's got to be faster than two RS. It's got to be faster than SVJ. It's got to be, you know, on par with uh, 2RS uh, from Manti Racing, I think. Yeah. It has to be to justify that, in my opinion. Yeah, it's, they've, they've put a real premium on the performance. Yeah, well, it's the last. It'll, it'll probably be the last rear-wheel drive GT. I don't think the next AMG GT will be rear-wheel drive. I think they're going to stick to uh, formatic on those. That's such a shame. It is. And I don't, I don't think you're going to see any rear-wheel drives from AMG, new ones in the future. Yeah. I think they're all going to be switchable four-wheel drive. Um, it's not something I agree with. I love the fact that BMW M have rear-wheel drive and X-Drive as an option on the new M3 and the M4. I love the fact that you can get a manual if you want it. I love the fact that they've just announced the Touring as well. In fact, I'm going in a couple of days to have a look at uh, new M3, M4, which I'm very nice. excited to see. Um, check out that front grill yeah I mean I'm not offended by that as much as everybody else yeah. is because I, I think it looks weird so yeah I think a lot of people will find it looks weird um, I, I think it, as someone from outside of BMW who, I've only owned the M4 CS which was cool but I didn't find the signing to be that exciting whereas this kind of excites me mm. um, I think it looks different I think it looks aggressive and I think a lot of manufacturers are going to have to rely on aggressive styling as you know sound and other things get muted over time so i think again this is something that we'll see more often look at the size of the audi grills they're massive yeah they um, don't look that they don't look anywhere near as weird though no no they don't we've got a bit of a bbc situation here i've got an intruder <laughs> in my screen you didn't see i actually had my one-year-old come here for a second oh really blab or something oh, and then walk off so we, we almost had a blooper there but no, I, I think it looks quite exciting. And I think it's a case of people getting used to it. And then six months down the line, it's going to be one of those things that everybody wants to get uh, yeah. and have. Particularly that touring looks 
Well, just the idea that's, of an M3 Touring. That's just uh, a cool car, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, the last time they showed something like that was the E46 concept that they had, which it looked production ready. And it was such a horrible tease for them to do for us because yeah. there's the car. Release it. You said it's easy to make in your press release. What are you doing? Um, but I think the new CEO, Marcus Flash, is, is he's on it. He's All the launches they've done have been exciting. All the stuff they're announcing is exciting. I mean, just like I think Porsche and BMW M in that sense are really making all the right noise for their customers. Uh, you've got stuff like the Cayenne GTS going back to V8. You've got the Cayman going back to the 4-liter in the GTS yeah. uh, and the Boxster. You know, this is the noise that we want to hear coming from our favorite uh, sports car manufacturers. Yeah, a few people are doing that. What was another one I saw the other day? Raptor. Next yeah. Raptor, it's going to be a V8. Sweet. And music to just my like, Yeah, needs to be. Got to be. <laughs> like, don't sell very many, whatever, but like, yeah, make a V8. Absolutely. I mean, I did, a, I did a, a, again, a virtual video. I can't even remember when it was. It might have been during lockdown about the next C63, mm. which Isn't is... Like um, four-cylinder yeah, or something. Yeah, it's due to be a four-cylinder hybrid. So I guess the engine would be on the basis of the A45 one with, a, I think, an electric turbocharger and other bits and pieces. But it's going to be crap. No, it won't so be much crap of, no, it won't be the same. I don't it know how they're going to market it. I don't know what the styling's going to be, whether they'll go super aggressive like BMW have in order to make up for it. I don't think they will. I think it'll be very much like the new E63. They'll rely on slightly more horsepower and, oh, look, it's got four-wheel drive and, oh, look at the screens. and Yeah, but. C63 is, we discussed it so much in the last one. Yeah. All of that car is... is the V8. The V8, along with the fact that it's dynamically as good as, you know, the M4. And when it loses that, and the M3, M4 still have the engine that they're meant to have, they still have the option of rear-wheel drive, still have the option of manual, it's going to be a bloodbath, I think. I mean, even I'm thinking, do I want an M3 Touring? And I'm not thinking that way about the C63, I promise you. Yeah, I think there's a lot of people that have gone, M3 Touring, interesting. Like, I like the, like, I, I like the idea of that car. Yeah. I've not met anyone who hasn't yet. So clearly they're doing something right there. Yeah, it's just like, it's just sort of RS6, RS4, but will be more fun. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I can't wait to see it. Can't wait to whether see you that, need, but... I don't know. No, you don't need any of these things whatsoever. They're all going to be, they just get heavier. They get heavier. The hybrid systems, um, I had someone asking me whether they should get a, they were replacing a car and they were like, oh, should I, should I look at hybrids or electrics or whatever? And my understanding is if you're going to go, and they do quite a lot of miles, if you're going to go hybrid, the, you have to charge up every day. Mm. The, The ranges are like 30 miles. Yeah. And you, if you're the sort of person that wants to char- plug your car in every day, like I do that with my phone and it's annoying. Yeah. Like, I don't want to do it with my car. Yeah. And then if you don't do that, they're heavier than the normal diesel or whatever, and they're petrol, and therefore they get worse fuel economy than the car that was unhybrid if you're not. I think they pull a bit of it back with the coasting and regen and stuff not like enough. that. Not but enough. But nowhere near the amount for the extra 200 kilos or so. it's, 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 it's significant. It's yeah, I mean, the, the other one, I've the only one that I've drove driven, sorry, in, uh, in that format was the Panamera turbo SE hybrid. Mm. And it felt so heavy, heavy and unwieldy. They've got rid but, of that. 
Yeah, they have. Yeah, now you've just got Turbo S, which makes total sense to me. But yeah, that was it wasn't enjoyable to drive fast. Uh, it wasn't enjoyable to drive even slow. It just felt too heavy. You compare it to Taycan. Taycan felt twice as capable in its handling because it was built from ground up to be yeah. uh, an EV. And you must try that car, by the way. I've, every EV I've, tri- I've driven, they all feel the same except for this car. It handles so well. It's such a hoot to drive fast. Um, it's great to drive slow. And they've got this great electric sound thing in there, mm. which kind of accentuates the sound you get anyway out of the motors. But it sounds kind of what you hear in films from these uh, fake future cars. Yeah, yeah. And like Star Wars ships and Star Trek ships. It's, it's so brilliant. And it's the one press car. I really miss having driven it, and I tend not to miss many of them. Yeah. You need to try that car. It's, I had a, a Honda E for a couple oh, of days that? recently. That looks so cool. It, honestly, it was great. It was great. It doesn't fit into my lifestyle at all because I don't drive short distances Yeah, anymore, really. I don't drive around town. Uh, most of my journeys might be an hour one way, hour and a half, and then an hour and a half back, and it doesn't have the range, but... My experience of something like that revitalized if I was to have another car, let's say girlfriend has a car or whatever. Yeah. A small city car is pretty great. Like a light, small city car. The Honda E is not light in the slightest. 1,560 kilos or something. So that's your equivalent large, well, mid-sized. It basically weighs the same as my S4 Avant. Wow. And it was very different in terms of how it showed you that weight mm. um, around town. It just feels like it's locked down because yeah. all the weights down below. You wouldn't want to hustle it. It's, but it just feels it's got this good, amazing interior, mm. with really nice materials and the tech and stuff is, is great. No wing mirrors, which is weird. The screens, they're not perfect. They work, but they're not, yeah. not perfect. But just as like a little experience for hooting around town, it was great. Turning circle is, it's like a taxi cab. <laughs> you, can, you can just, you don't realise how limited you are in most cars until you drive a car that has a crazy turning circle. And you're like, well, oh, I just turn around in a road and it's just one. That was the other thing in the new S class, actually. They had um, 10 degree rear turn. Um, That's a lot. The, it's a lot. And we went in some really tight, like little cubed areas. And the thing would just almost swivel on its axis. It was the most bizarre thing. I've only experienced that in like a, a taxi, which is much smaller. Yeah. Um, and I, I mentioned in my first look at it that it feels like almost a three-point turn doesn't exist with the S-Class. Can you imagine how long the the long yeah. wheelbase is? It was doing like hairpin turns, like, look, it's going <laughs> this way. 10 degrees is huge. Like I've only experienced previous to that, I think, Maxim was four or something in the A8. Crazy. I think most but cars as you say, are about that, you're not they? used to it until you Two see it. Two and a half, three. Yeah. Um, yeah. They said is... with the S class, it's the same turning circle as the A class. Yes. Yeah, that's absolutely but, right. But a yeah, the video car. on it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, it was, but it was very interesting, the weight difference between the two cars. And yeah. I didn't really think about it too much until I handed the car back, got back in my S4 and drove off and one, it just felt really old because it wasn't electric straight away. You're like, Oh my God, I'm driving this prehistoric thing. But the way the weight in the car was like with the S4, you sort of let's, you feel like it's sort of in the middle. Yeah. The Honda, it was like under the floor somewhere is the center. Way down low. Way down low. Yeah. 
It's like you've got a keel or something just holding the car down on the road. Yeah. And then the top just doesn't move because it doesn't yeah. weigh that much. Whereas when you get in another car, it's sort of, you know. It does do that. Yeah, Taycan was very similar to that, which was nice for, a, you know, a performance car. What was the range like in the Honda? 137 miles. That's not bad for a small car. It's not bad. It's not bad. In town, you'd get that sort of amount. Um, on a motorway, it goes down. Okay. Because they don't have two gears. I think the, I don't know how the Taycan fares on a motorway, but most most electric cars are less efficient on a motorway than. Um, it's okay. It's got it's got that two gear hmm. system, so it's got a different gear to handle that type of driving versus the more dynamic stuff or the low speed stuff. So uh, it seemed okay to me. It, it hits around about that two hundred and seventy, two hundred and eighty mile range. Yeah. And we've got a lot of kind of Ionity chargers now popping up around certainly my locality and your Porsche centers. So mm-hmm. it's becoming a little bit more viable. But I always worry with all of these cars that it's great at the moment, but, you know, five, six years from now when the new one's out, no one's going to want the old ones. Yeah. And yeah. Like, I keep I saying, I think, I think it's going to be a phone contract system on these cars. I think you're going to pay the manufacturer a certain amount a month and they'll furnish you with a car for a couple of years or four years or something. You keep paying the amount and then they'll give you a new one. I think that's what's going to happen. I think I, with something like you take out, I think that's what I would want to do. Yeah. Because you want to be able to, it, the pricing has got to work. Yeah. So that it's not crazy expensive and all that sort of stuff. But I, having had a little electric car for a week and enjoyed a bit of like no congestion charge and, basically free parking in central London, all that sort of stuff. That was quite fun. But for now, for now. Yeah. And then everyone else starts using it and obviously they'll have to put the price up, but I liked the electric car experience. I liked it a lot. I liked the fact that you're not reliant on going to petrol stations and stuff like that. For me, if I was using an electric car, it would have to replace the car I use all the time. So it means yeah. my S4 advance, which means it's got to be able to do long journeys without being, too much of a faff ideally yeah. charge at home and only charge at home yeah and then your couple of times a year that you do a, over your 250 mile journey or something where driving to scotland or something yeah the charging yeah. needs to be doable yes. and not a faff but sort of 300 miles that's a long way it's a long way yeah it's a long way um i think the only time i'm going to break that personally is if i'm doing some kind of road trip to germany in which case I probably wouldn't be taking an electric car. I'd probably be taking something more exciting to uh, either Porsche or AMG. So I'm not, personally, I'm not too fussed about that. I think 300 miles is, it's a lot, you know, for it is a lot for your, for your daily bits. But as you say, the <laughs> yeah. issue is, is that I think one thing that we won't realize till we start owning them more is how disorganized we all are. I think Massively best plans so. made, you know, I'm terrible. I leave things everywhere. I forget to charge things. I forget to fill cars up. I'm, you know, I'm just a normal human and I will make those mistakes the same. Everyone will, but they're kind of fatal mistakes in an EV. If you're not prepared, then all your plans can go out the window or you can ruin a meeting or ruin someone's day or, you know, whatever the case may be. Yeah. If you forget to charge, if you've got a a Tesla, it's not such an issue because I think you can, you can go and charge up pretty quickly. Like, you, 20 minutes or something, you get 80% of your charge or 20 to 80 yeah. takes not very long. It depends what charger it is, first of all. Yeah. 
And then you also have the issue of uh, if it goes completely dead, someone was telling me yesterday, you have to remove some part of under the wheel arch and then charge up the battery and nothing like no doors will open. Nothing will happen. Oh, really? And, and apparently they're not very helpful with their customer service either. They're kind of like, well, it's not our problem. Um, God, that's, you don't want that. <laughs> no, we don't that's want that it. at all. Like, I forget, like, you know, I forget to charge my phone every now and then. I forget to charge X, Y, Z. My car at the go. moment. This has died just now. Oh, there you go. So exactly. Only this one's working. So what am I going to do? I can't do anything, really. Yeah, and it <laughs> so stops working. Like I've got one of those Apple mouses that you can only charge from the bottom. So you All can't right. use it when it's charging, which is really useful. Yeah, um, so um, but, yeah, there you go. Case in point. Things things run out of battery. So uh, yeah, I That think was 96% when we started as well, by the way, just to be clear. It? I wasn't that dis- disorganized. It's quite it old. Be, sometimes they do that thing where it only charges one. No, I think I think it's just an old one. I had one of the first and it's just yeah. a bit knackered. I'm waiting Fair for enough. the new one. Yeah. I don't I think it's 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 a tricky one. If I would love to have an electric car. Yeah. If I could for not very much a month have a small electric car and use that for short journeys or relatively, you know, 45 minutes somewhere, 45 minutes back. I would love to do that because I, I sort of feel like I should, if I can embrace. Yeah, definitely. The cars that I've driven, like everyone, they've all been SUVs because the manufacturers think that everybody wants SUVs. But I think with EVs, I think everybody wants compact cars. I don't think we all want SUVs out of an EV. Um, no. It's either, it's, I think it's either compact car or something a bit more stylish and futuristic looking like Taycan. And yeah. I'm so happy that Porsche understood their customers in that sense and went for a, what is essentially a four-door 911 as their first EV rather than being, because they were tempted and they said we were tempted to do SUV because yeah. it's our bestseller, but they stuck to their roots. Like, I'm disappointed again with someone like Merck or, or BMW where, you know, you're well, not so much BMW because they did the right thing, I think, with um, their beginning, even though they're a little slow now. With Merck, going to the EQC as their first car was a big mistake. I think it should have been a saloon because Merck's are saloons. should have been an S-Class type car like they're showing the EQS now. That would have made people happy in terms of their customers, probably would have sold more, and then gone for something like an A-Class, you know, a little yeah. nice little... That's why I love the idea of this Honda. I think it's brilliant and I'm waiting it's, for all the manufacturers to get on this. It's really good. It's actually just a really cool little car. And if it was cheaper or it was, nah, I just have no need, but I do yeah. like it. I like it a lot. For me, the Porsche, I've got, I want the Sport Turismo back. Yeah. Yeah. The Taycan Sport Turismo E, well, not, not E because it is electric only. Yeah. That in two years time, if the tech has moved on, two years worth and charging and you know there might come a point in time where you can charge your car in 90 seconds yeah at a petrol yeah. pump and the it's whole possible. every petrol pump just gets converted into these 90 second charging that then you don't even need to think about it at home you can yeah exactly but you just use it like a normal car yeah i'm excited to see that i think that's going to be a cool car um i love estates like you anyway so a bit biased in that regard let's see cool. let's try and get a hold of one yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, thanks for thanks for sort of dialing in. No, Have no problem. Always up. a pleasure. It's been good. I want to see your turbo. Yes, you must come and see the turbo. I can't uh, wait to see it today. I'm going to pick it up. I can't wait to see what the gloss gloss black looks like. But yeah, you must come. Have a look. Have a 
I have an experience that. in it. It's an absolute monster. Too much for the road, but part of that excites me. So, That's kind uh, of fun, isn't it? Though? <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely. Oh, cool. Thank you, well, Sam. Thanks very much. Appreciate it, buddy. Cheers. Take care. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for fifty to eighty percent less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at fifty dollars luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Okay, I have two new obsessions that I need to share with you. Impress No Glue Press-On Mannies and Impress Press-On Falsies Lashes. Trust me, these are getting ready game changers. Both require no glue, so there is no damage to your natural nails and lashes, no mess, and no annoying dry times. Just one step and you're done. Boom. Instant glam. Visit impressbeauty.com slash presson and use code PRESSON25 at checkout for 25% off Impress Manicure and Press-On Falsies. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.